0: Fifteen. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy. Five,
1: four, three, two,
0: one. From inside our two bedroom apartment in downtown Baltimore, it is. The Masson All Access podcast, a special episode this week. It is part two of our all Camden Yards draft. Paul Mancano and Brendan Mortensen here with you always, as always. And Brendan, let's explain for the uninformed what we're doing here, what the all Camden Yards draft is, and what people might have missed last week.
1: Yeah, so the all-Camden Yards draft, exactly what it sounds like. We are only allowed to draft Orioles uh, who played at Camden Yards. So we take their stats from 1992 to present. We did rounds one through nine last week. We're doing rounds 10 through 18 today.
0: It went pretty well the first time, I think. Yeah, we're trying to build the best team on the field. Yes. uh, With, given only these players. Now, body of work does matter. So if a guy was great for four years... And another guy who was great for six years. You're going to take the guy who's great for six years. Uh, and only their production in an Orioles jersey is counted in this. So we're taking uh, first baseman, second baseman, third baseman, shortstop, left field, center field, right field, a DH, five starting pitchers, three relievers, and a manager. So we are building close to a full roster, not an entire bullpen, but close to a full roster of Baltimore Orioles. So we did part one last week. Uh, in which we went nine rounds and had, uh, it is a three-team draft, so we took 27 players, and we are going to continue this with rounds 10 through 18. So here are two of the teams, myself and Brendan. Let's introduce the third member of the All-Camden Yards draft, and that would be Connor Newcomb of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Connor, thanks for joining us again for this marathon draft.
2: Yeah, I'm glad to be back, and uh, you know, I'm 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 feeling good about my team through nine rounds. I feel like it's the best out of the three, and I feel like that's how this is going to finish as well.
0: Yeah, so let's before we get into this draft, let's talk about the guys that we took in the first nine rounds. I'll start because I had the first overall pick, and this is a snake draft. So we are going uh, first pick, second pick, guy who was the third pick, also was the fourth guy with the second pick has the fifth. The guy with the first overall pick has the sixth and so on. So like a fantasy draft. So first overall, I took Mike Messina. I went with Nick Markakis with my second round pick. Melvin Mora at third in the third round. Miguel Tejada. I went with Zach Britton after him. Roberto Alomar, Harold Baines, Chris Tillman, and wei In Chin. Those are my first nine picks. Brendan had the second overall pick. Brendan, who'd you take? I did. Uh, it took... It was slightly
1: sacrilegious, I think, to not take Cal Ripken Jr. second overall, so I go Cal Ripken Jr. second, followed by Brady Anderson, Brian Roberts, Chris Hoyles, BJ Serhoff, Jeremy Guthrie, Chris Davis, Scott Erickson, and Jim Johnson. And Connor?
2: Yeah, I took Adam Jones uh, with my first overall pick, then Manny Machado, Raphael Palmero, Matt Wieters, J.J. Hardy, Jonathan Scope, Darren O'Day. Eric Bedard, and Kevin Gosman.
0: So three pretty balanced teams, I think, at this point. Obviously, the heavy hitters are off the board for the most part, but now we're filling out the rest of the roster, and that's where teams get built, is the, the final, the second day of picks, if you will. Before we start our picks, um, we do have a confession, and that is that we already recorded this podcast, and the entire second part, rounds 10 through 18, And we lost it. Technical error, just gone. It saved the first seven minutes and 47 seconds of part two of the podcast. And then it just disappeared. The rest of the file was corrupt. So we are doing this over again. So we thought, how can we do this? We can either redraft all the same guys that we took in the original. But that wouldn't be fair to you because then we would be acting as if we were surprised by the picks as they were coming off the board, when in fact we knew who all the picks were going to be. So we decided to go with a different format. So, Brendan, explain what happens here. Well, it was a funny choice of words that you say it saved the first
1: seven minutes of the podcast that we recorded. I think Connor and I would argue that it saved you. It did, Paul. Uh, Connor and I were feeling pretty good about the second half of our draft. Uh, Paul, I don't think you were feeling
0: as good about I was, how the second half of your draft went. No, no, I took if some I'm not mistaken. I took some questionable picks in that uh, in that part two. some guys that I wish I probably hadn't took some reaches. Mm-hmm. And honestly, an act of God deleting that podcast gave me new life. So I was able to convince these two to do a a redraft. Connor, you have something to say here?
2: Yeah, I just wanted to point out that um, these two players will probably not be taken here in our redraft of the draft. But uh, Paul did take two players uh, whom we roasted him for immensely. And we just wanted to be able to get that in before uh, he gets a second chance. Um, So he took a reliever named Jim Poole. And if you've never heard of Jim Poole, you're not alone. Uh, and, and I consider myself to be pretty well-versed in the Orioles, especially since Cam Yards opened, and that's a player I'd never heard of. Uh, and then Paul also took Will Clark to play first base, um, who, if this was a Giants draft, would not be a terrible pick. Um, but if you had forgotten that, that Will Clark played for the Orioles, you, again, um, are not alone.
1: Jim Poole was not even close to my draft board uh, in terms of relief pitchers. I believe Connor and I both had about seven or eight relievers who are higher up on our board than Jim Poole. You could have had an infinite amount of relievers that were higher than Jim Poole simply because we did not have him. And then Will Clark, again, uh, did not grace my big board. I will also say uh, that Paul was the only one in the room when the file was first lost. So Connor and I are a little bit skeptical.
0: I think there's no... One, there's no reason to trust me. Like none I said at the all. the back podcast. None at all. Um, but two... I am telling the truth. This file truly disappeared, was corrupt, don't know how it happened, it's gone. Uh, If I could corrupt a file, I would, but I don't know how it just saved the first seven minutes and and 17 seconds or 47 seconds, okay? Uh, And if I may may make, you know, a a case in my defense here. Oh, sure. Uh, Jim Poole, I miscalculated his stats. All right, I counted the first two defense. years. I counted the 1991 season, which was his best in an Orioles uniform. That's not allowed. And second off, when I went back and recalculated his stats from '92 to like '94, they weren't terrible. A 3.28 ERA, you know, that's solid. So, and, and and with Will Clark, you guys entirely boxed me out of first base. I was left with no options. No, Nobody on my roster could be shifted over to first. I sc- scrambled for, to look for a first baseman who was not even on my board, and I took Will Clark, and I think I did pretty well. In two seasons, Will Clark had a 3.8 baseball reference war. So, you know what? I, 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 I'm glad I get to redo the picks, but at the same time, I'm proud of my effort. You know, in our defense for first
1: base, in not giving you any options, it was hilarious.
0: <sighs> it... it, it Provided for good content, and at least, you know, I, I sat and took it from you guys. If you guys would like to get any final shots in, Connor, now's the time.
2: No, I'm good. I'll, I'll get the shots in on whichever player we've never heard of you picked this time.
0: <laughs> I think the team spoke for itself. Uh, I right. think we're set. That's fair. So in order to make up for the talent gap between my team and the other teams, and the advantage I would be getting by doing a redraft, I allowed for, because I am commissioner, you know, everything is, is, is just a gift for me. I allowed Connor and Brendan to each have a keeper from the first time we did part two. So basically they are going to take this guy with the round pick that they had taken, basically making them untouchable for me to take. So, uh, Brendan, who is your keeper? Uh, my keeper was Jay Gibbons. He wasn't the best
1: player. That I took in the second half of the draft, but I got him in the 16th round and I just think that was good value. I also thought that he might be one of your first base options, so I wanted to make sure that you didn't get a first base option. He's probably going to be playing DH for me. He did not have a great defensive war in his career with the O's, but I think Jay Gibbons as a DH in the 16th round was pretty good value, so that's why I'm keeping him there.
0: Connor, who is your keeper?
1: Yeah, I'm going to keep Trey Mancini, uh, who I took in the 12th round, and and
2: basically me and Brendan uh, still collaborating to try and keep all of the potential first base options away from Paul.
0: Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, This is collusion at its finest, but uh, really excited that uh, you guys are are deciding to uh, collectively just destroy my team. Thanks so much. All right, let's start this draft again. Let's redraft rounds 10 through 18 And let's start with Connor, who is the first overall pick in the ninth, in the 10th round. Yeah, first pick in the 10th round. Connor, you are on the clock.
2: Yeah, I'm going to stay on par. And this is the person who I took the last time we did this uh, with this exact pick. But, uh, you know, I look at my starting pitching and I've got Eric Bedard and Kevin Gaussman. And not that that's a terrible one-two uh, but I, I need some more meat at the three, four, and five spots in my rotation because I you know, don't really have a true, true ace. Um, so I'm going to take a four, former Orioles number one overall pick, and I'm going to go with Ben McDonald, uh, of course, a massive broadcaster as well. And uh, I don't get his full career with the Orioles. I don't get uh, 89, 90, or 91. And uh, that hurts a little bit because his 1990 season uh, was really, really good when he finished eighth uh, in AL Rookie of the Year voting. But I do get his 93 season, where he made 34 starts, had a three-three-nine ERA, and threw over 220 innings. Uh, in 92, he threw 227 innings and had a 4-2-4 ERA. So although his stats weren't amazing, except for that 93 season, he ate a lot of innings in his time in Baltimore, and I'm totally fine having a number one overall pick as my number three pitcher.
1: Yeah, that's a solid pick. I think there was a cluster of starting pitching there, and I think Ben McDonald separated himself a little bit from the rest of the guys that were still available so I think of the starting pitchers Ben McDonald was probably the way to go there
0: yeah uh, we talked about it a lot on the first part of this but just not too many options in terms of starting pitchers it was Mike Messina and then a bunch of guys but I think Ben McDonald belongs solidly in the next group of maybe five or six starting pitchers there so first pick Ben McDonald in the 10th round Brendan you're on the the uh, clock here
1: yeah, this is a pretty easy pick for me because I think he's pretty clearly the best player available. I'm going to stick with the mass and broadcaster trend and go with Mike Bordick. I drafted B.J. Serhoff uh, in the first few rounds, and he has a lot of flexibility position-wise. I was originally thinking I was going to put him at third base, but I think I'm going to move Cal Ripken Jr. over to third, put Mike Bordick at short. And I just think he was, like I said, by far the best player available, War of 14 and a 14.5. He had an all-star game where he hit really well, but you're drafting Mike Bordick for his defense was incredibly
0: solid at shortstop. Mike Bordick's my pick. Yeah, if I had known, if I had had wherewithal to recognize that Mike Bordick was still on the board in the ninth round, I easily would have taken him. That's I think a miss. this is this is a, a huge miss by. I don't think Connor had anywhere to put him if he could have drafted him. Did you, Connor?
2: Yeah, I at this point, I obviously considered him earlier, um, but at this point, my infield is a uh, fool. So, you know, Brendan uh, scooped him up because couldn't even have
0: taken him if I wanted to. Yeah, Connor already has Machado. He already has J.J. Hardy. He already has Jonathan Scope. He really can't move too many guys around there. I could have if I wanted to tried to move Melvin Mora to the outfield and moved some guys around in that infield. But I think, you know, it, it the guys would not be playing their original positions, but I think in terms of quality of player, Bordic is the best left on the board there. Yeah, I had him
1: ranked 17th on my big board, and I get him in round 10. So I'll take that every day of the week.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, so now I am on the, the clock with uh, two back-to-back picks here. Thought about this a lot once we decided that we were going to be doing our redraft. And uh, I really cannot afford to get boxed out at, e- at first base and a corner outfield spot. I am in, in major need of talent at those spots. So with my first pick of the the part two, I'm going to take Luke Scott. Left fielder, I think that this is a guy that uh, Brendan took in the original draft, played for four seasons, hit 260, a 7.9 war in those four seasons, uh, 84 homers, 826 OPS, averaged that baseball reference war out, and he got a 1.0. average war per season. So I feel like he gives me, it's not a huge sample size, but he was the best outfielder left on the board and I had to take him. Yeah, truthfully, I probably would
1: have taken Luke Scott a little bit earlier than I even took him last time just because I know you needed a first base or a corner outfield option. Last time I took him in the 14th round and here he goes in the 10th, but I think it's still pretty good value for Luke Scott. I think he was probably the best corner outfielder left available.
2: Yeah, and and Paul starts by making good picks. He was not only the best corner outfield available, but probably the best position player uh, on the board right now.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's going to be a trend, Connor. Me making good picks. I don't know if you're... uh... Remains to be seen. Uh, Look, part one was pretty good. All right, next up, you know, I feel good about my rotation. I have one, two, three. I feel like I can fit anybody into those four or five spots, and I'd (laughs) be fine. I feel okay having Zach Britton as my closer... He's the, the best reliever in this draft. You know, I, I think there's enough depth there that I could take somebody there. So I am looking at a position player at this point. And again, I'm going to go with a corner spot because I'm pretty much set at second base, shortstop, third base, right field. Uh, and I can wait on catcher. So I'm going to go with another corner spot. And I was looking at my at my team right now and I said, I don't have a whole lot of guys from the new era of Orioles, the 12, 14, 16 Orioles, Connor seemed to have snapped up a lot of those guys early on. But I needed some representation there. And I wanted some heart and some hustle on my team. I'm going to go with Steve Pierce with this pick. He is, uh, you know, Connor is is shaking his head because he took him originally. Uh, but look, the guy was pr- very productive, did not play you know, was not an everyday player for the majority of his Orioles career, but in those five seasons had an OPS well over 800, played multiple positions. I can stick him at first base. I can stick him at left field. I can stick him around the diamond. I think probably the way I'm going to go right now is put Luke Scott in left and have Steve Pierce at first, but I can figure that out as the draft goes along. I needed to get talent there. And look, I thought about Jeff Conine with this pick, but I thought Steve Pierce, the heart, the hustle, and the youth... I'm adding Steve Pierce, World Series MVP Steve Pierce, to my team. Yeah, I have Conine and Pierce ranked pretty similarly.
1: I think you probably could have gone with either one. But this is also going to probably continue a trend of Paul stealing players from myself and Connor, which would make sense. I mean, you saw who had the best draft of the three of us, and it certainly wasn't you. uh, So you've got to take players from the other two teams. Look, you
0: guys both agreed to this redraft, so there's just... You know, there's just no excuses. At Look, this agreeing point. to the this redraft the or not,
1: we did not agree to not bash you for the original draft. This
0: is the draft, all right? This is what people are going to see at the end of the day. And uh, so far, I'm killing it. If you say so.
2: You take Steve Pierce, you're banking on that 2014 season. He was arguably the Orioles' best player when they won the division. He was worth almost six war in that season alone, which is near his career total with the Orioles. Um, so you get that one really good season. Uh, the one thing about Steve Pierce is even that year, he never really played a full season as an everyday starter uh, with the Orioles. And and it was really that one big year. And then he just had, you know, little moments uh, in, the, in the other four seasons he was with the O's.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jeff Conine was more consistent, but was also not on winning Orioles teams. And I think that's what I'm missing right now. I don't have a whole lot of guys who were on winning Orioles teams. Unfortunately, Zach Britton, is pretty much the only guy that counts in that category. So I feel good now. I have a left fielder. I have a first baseman. Feel good. Feeling good about my team. Uh, Brendan, you are back on the clock. Yeah, I think last time out I made a bit of a blunder
1: in this round because there was a starting pitcher that I wanted, and I kind of went a little bit too true to my big board. He wasn't ranked as high on my big board as a reliever that I took last time out. Uh, but this time I'm going to go with a starter. And I'm going to go with Miguel Gonzalez, sticking with uh, the more recent Orioles. You mentioned the 2014 season. Miguel Gonzalez was probably the best pitcher in the O's rotation in that 2014 season where the Orioles were winning a lot of games. I don't want to be in a position where I'm taking a lot worse starting pitchers, because my top two were not fantastic in Jeremy Guthrie and Scott Erickson, so I wanted to shore up that three spot a little bit and take Miguel Gonzalez. I know his last season in Baltimore was not fantastic, but I'm looking at the first
0: three. I just want to point out the hypocrisy here because I believe you just roasted me for taking your picks and for taking Connor's picks, and here you are stealing Connor's picks. That's absolutely Baltimore. right. Yes. That was the uh, the pick Connor made in the original. So Connor, uh, just so you know, Brendan is here to stab you in the back as well.
2: Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I will just turn it around. I was going to take Miguel Gonzalez with this pick, which is my next one, but that's okay. Uh, That's why you do the research. That's why you get the big board going. Um, And that's why I'm next up. And uh, I'm going to take a starting pitcher as well. Um, And I'm going to go with a guy who was, unlike Miguel Gonzalez, he was on some uh, pretty bad Orioles teams, but uh, was quietly, I wouldn't say great, but was quietly good enough when he was an Oriole to be in this draft and to be one of the maybe not better starting pitchers, but could be my number four starter. And I'm gonna take Rodrigo Lopez. Um he was an Oriole's opening day starter a couple of years. Um, and really, his career was uh, extremely up and down with the Os. he He comes over in two thousand two and he puts together a pretty good season, uh, a three five seven era and twenty eight starts. Then in 2003, he gets rocked the entire year in the rotation, comes back the next year, has a 3.59 ERA in about 171 innings. Uh, and then in 2005, you know, he starts 35 games, but the stats aren't great. And then in 2006, it kind of all fell apart on him and the Orioles moved on from him. But if I can get that 02 and 04 season kind of wrapped up out of Lopez, um, I would love for him to be my number four starter.
0: Yeah, this is the tough thing about this draft is you are getting somebody for the entirety of their Orioles career. So you are getting the good mixed in with the bad. And we've talked about how Connor's team is pretty much built. I would say a, a team that is pretty much built to win now. His window is pretty wide open, but I think that he can win right now. And if you get those two years early on from Rodrigo Lopez, that uh, that squad can win right now. Yeah, win now,
1: baseball from Connor and the team camaraderie.
0: Yeah they've got great team chemistry you can't deny that with Connor team yeah they they've a lot of them have played together uh, as he is reconstructing this uh this orioles team all right uh connor you are back on the clock but you have your keeper with this pick which was trey mancini correct
2: yeah i gotta go with the guy he, he's definitely i would say if i had to guess um maybe one of two uh orioles who are on the current team who are going to be drafted um in this draft and definitely the best player on the current Orioles to take um and you know you look back at what he's done obviously he he came up and and at the end of that 2016 season and and had a, had a great week basically and was on that wild card game roster uh but you know he had the tremendous 2017 and you know f- stats fell off a little bit in 2018 but you look at that 2019 season the last time we saw Trey on the field 35 home runs a 291 average at 364 on base an OPS of almost 900 and he played, you know, basically the entire season and just, I mean, for one thing, so excited to see him get back on the field in 2021. But, you know, also for my team, you know, I I slot him into right field. Um, and I know the little question about him defensively, but I feel like he's gotten better and better defensively every year at the big league level. I feel good about him out there. And uh, I feel good about Trey Mancini probably being a guy hitting sixth or seventh in my order
0: yeah I think this is a uh, he would have been the guy if he were available instead of Steve Pierce I probably would have taken just because um, you're getting that consistency and like you said Connor, if he had played the 2020 season I think he would no be a, a no-brainer to be even a higher pick um, in terms of this draft which is pretty amazing considering he has really only played a few years now and for the majority he has played on some losing Orioles teams but he has put up some outstanding outstanding numbers yeah like you
1: said trey mancini plays this season he probably goes in part one yeah. of our draft he probably goes in those top nine rounds so great pick with trey mancini absolutely all right brendan you're back on the clock yeah here i'm gonna stay true to my big board a little bit uh like i was in the original draft I have one reliever right now in Jim Johnson. I think he's the worst of the three that have been taken already. Uh, Zach Britton and Darren O'Day going before him. So I'm going to go with Michael Givens. He's the best reliever that I had on my board that wasn't uh, taken already. Great strikeout numbers, strikeout per nine at uh, close to 11. Uh, he was never really a true closer Jim Johnson is, if I were actually constructing my bullpen here, I'm not sure who would be my true closer out of the two of them. But Michael Givens, at the very least, uh, is going to be a great setup man for somebody, no matter who it is. So uh, Michael Givens, the best reliever remaining on my board.
0: For me, Michael Givens was not quite as high, um, but because we saw some downs from him, certainly in the, the, the low point of his Orioles tenure was the 2019 season when the Orioles needed him the most probably and he really struggled but he was a much better reliever when there were other better relievers around him when they had the excellent bullpen in uh, the he kind of joined late to that excellent bullpen that featured Brad Brock and Zach Britton. Um, and Darren O'Day. So he was a great piece in that bullpen, and then he kind of returned to form in 2020. Was outstanding in the the 30-some game sample size. You know, they only got him for, what, like 18 games in the 2020 season, and were able to flip him for a couple prospects to the Colorado Rockies. So uh, definitely has the potential to be one of the better relievers uh, in in recent Orioles' memory. Connor, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, Michael Gibbons, you know, (laughs) <laughs> gonna again, you going to make it again. You, uh, yeah, I mean, again, you got two guys who, you know, I would probably put Jim Johnson as the closer. Um, but you definitely have two guys who kind of struggled at the end of their oriel tenure right after they went out the door. Um, so, you know, I think some Oriole fans have negative connotations about both of those guys, not about the body of work, but just of, of how it ended uh, with those
0: two relievers. Yeah. All right. So I am back on the clock with these back-to-back picks and I got to tell you I I don't quite know what to do here. The only spots I really need I need two more starting pitchers, but I feel comfortable there. I need two more relievers, I need a catcher and a manager. So, with this pick, I was thinking about it. Actually, do I know who I want to pick here? This is Oh, here we go again. This is This happens literally every time, but I need to go back to my big board. Let me look at my big board. Who do I feel okay. Uh yeah. I think I'm going to go with, uh, steal another pick from Connor here. I think I'm going to go with Greg Olson, Uh, an outstanding closer. I know I'm adding two closers to my bullpen, but look, they were both terrific. Greg Olson, I am only getting him for his final two years in an Orioles jersey, and that hurts considering the production he had before that. But those final two years, he was still excellent for the O's. He had a one 8 6 era in those two seasons 8.6 strikeouts per nine um a 1.176 whip so in, in 106 innings so he he still pitched in 110 games in those two seasons uh so uh, uh, even though the years is not a whole lot the the uh, appearances is up there with some of the other relievers so i feel good about a zach Britton, uh, greg olsen one-two punch in my bullpen
1: Yeah, the only issue with Greg Olson, like you said, is the sample size. You're only getting two seasons. And when you're looking at an all Camden Yards draft, you're only getting him for two years. So that's the tough thing about drafting Greg Olson. But certainly
0: the two years that you're getting out of him are very good. Yeah. And then with my next pick, was thinking about it a lot. And I went with somebody at this point last time, the beginning of round 13, that you guys criticized. But you know what? I'm going to go right back to that guy. I'm going to take the first manager off the board here. I'm going to take Buck Showalter, best Orioles manager of Camden Yards era. And frankly, I want to keep him out of Connor's hands because Connor already has the team that Buck uh, managed, basically, with Jonathan Scope and Manny Machado and others. I want to make sure that I have the best manager on the board here. Buck Showalter finished with a losing record technically in his time with the Orioles, but we all know that that was skewed, of course, by the first half season that he took over and then, of course, by the disaster in his final season at the helm. Took the team to three playoff appearances. Took the team to an ALCS 2012, 2014, 2016 uh, playoff appearances. And in nine seasons, set the tone for the Orioles team, got brought them back to the Oriole way, um, and became a face of the franchise. So I feel good about Buck Walter. I think there's a large gap between Buck Walter and the other two managers that could be taken.
1: Yeah, we didn't really know when a manager would go, how highly you value a manager versus getting a position player or a pitcher or something like that. But I think at this point in the draft, when there aren't, that many good players available. I think Buck Walter makes sense. I think I would personally have drafted him a little bit lower just because I don't, maybe don't value a manager in, in this type of fantasy draft that highly. But again, that's that's kind of up for debate in terms of how highly you value that.
0: I, I, I need some more winners on my team, which was the same mentality where I took Steve Pierce. Uh, and I need some more name recognition, frankly. I think a lot of the guys on my team are guys that played... In the you know mid two thousands, some of the late nineties, a lot of guys that may not be as, uh, you know, name recognizable to some of the younger fans, um, and also you know were not on some winning teams. So uh, I wanted a somebody who's going to come in and set the tone. And Buck Showalter, I feel like he's going to be good with this group of guys. All right, Brendan? On the, clock.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're on the clock. I'm thinking. Um, And I'm thinking that I'm going to finish out my lineup. I think there is kind of a mess of pitchers left, and I don't really want to touch that at this point, so I want to make sure that I get the best position player left on my board. And that's going to be the versatile Jeff Conine. Going to stick him somewhere in the outfield, probably in right. Uh, I know he at his peak, he is not uh, the best uh, hitter. He's certainly not the best defender, but... Uh, I'm looking at the body of work. 750 games for Jeff Koenig hit 287. I think he is a solid pick for uh, the last position player that I need, and then I can figure out the rest of the pitchers going forward.
0: Connor, how are you feeling? Because you've seen some of your better picks go off the board here. Do you feel okay about your team at this point? Do you feel frustrated and, and angry at both Brendan and I for stealing your picks?
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting because I am getting somewhat close actually um, to a Paul like scenario from the last time we did this in which
0: <laughs> the tables I'm, getting, have
2: turned. I'm getting boxed out of the corner outfield DH types. Um, and I'm going to have to do uh, a little bit of moving, which I think I can, uh, you know, I got to make sure about Palmero and Mancini and kind of their time as DH um, in an Oriole uniform. So I, I kind of have to move things around a little bit, when it comes to uh, corner outfielders and such. But uh, I'm going to take one with one of these picks. And this might be a little bit of a stretch because this guy was an Oriole for only one season. But frankly, I have to make this pick. And I I consider guys like Corey Corey Patterson um, and Jerry Hairston. But I'm going to take Nelson Cruz with this pick. And this might be scrutinized because he played one season in an Oriole uniform, but that was 2014. He wasn't all-star. He helped lead the Orioles to a division title. He hit 40 home runs, which led the major leagues that year. He drove in 108 runs. Uh, He was used mostly as a DH. So he gets to fall into my DH spot. He played 159 games, stayed healthy, a 271 average, 333 on base and 859 OPS. Um, Steve Pierce was the Orioles best all around player. But Nelson Cruz was the Orioles' best pure hitter uh, on a team that won an AL East title. Um, and I know I'm only getting one year. And the name recognition for Nelson Cruz helps me because he's still even better right now at age 40 than he was uh, at age 33 with the Orioles. And it's only one season, but when you break things down for Cruz and you kind of look at at total war for, uh, for all these guys, I mean, baseball reference has him at 45 There are some guys who might be picked later in this draft whose career war with the Orioles might be lower than that. So it's a little bit of a stretch, but I can't get boxed out like Paul did on the erased one. Um, And uh, I got to take Nelson Cruz.
0: Connor, that's a great pick right there. That's a great pick because you can stick him at DH. You don't have to stick him out in the field. You mentioned that incredibly high war and that incredibly productive one season. I think that makes a ton of sense to take Nelson Cruz there. And even if it is one season, you are getting one outstanding season from Nelson Cruz. And uh, I think even, you know, you should be uh, you should be happy with your team right now because I think that uh, he's a great pick there. I think that even though you did get a little bit boxed out, that's the benefit of waiting on a DH. Like I didn't do. I took a Harold Baines much earlier because I liked the guy. I liked the player. But that also put me in a tough spot because he was purely a DH. I couldn't fill somebody else I couldn't put him in the field if I needed to to take a guy like Nelson Cruz so uh, I think the benefit of waiting on a DH definitely paid off here well worst case scenario you get boxed out and if you're
1: in win now mode there are probably very few players that you take above Nelson Cruz for their best year as an Oriole since 1992 I I would put Nelson Cruz uh, towards the top of that list if you were to just draft one season of a guy from 92 on
0: Uh, In all, in the sake of all honesty and clarity, I took him originally in the redraft, or in the original draft, draft. part two, and I uh, didn't have a position for him, so I stuck him in left field, where Nelson Cruz played 60 games and had a plus one defensive run saved, according to Fangraphs. Like to bring that to everybody's attention.
1: I mean, that's great, but I still don't
0: want Nelson Cruz in the outfield. I wouldn't want him there either, so Connor gets the best of both worlds with him as a DH.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, I have a little leeway, I guess, because my two open spots were DH and left field. So if there was another move I had to make, I could put Cruz into left field. We're going to keep him as the uh, designated hitter for now. But uh, I do have another pick. And I'm going to take another recent Oriole and I'm going to take my number five starter. Um, And this is a guy who never lived up to expectations in an Oriole uniform. As soon as he was traded, he kind of found it this year with the Angels. Um, and I'm going to take Dylan Bundy, uh, and he's going to be my number five starter. And you know, I know what the stats look like for his time in Baltimore. You know, he he had that quick little spurt in 2012, and then he had the Tommy John. He came back in 2016, and you know, all in all, he made 103 starts, had a 4.67 ERA in just over 600 innings as an Oriole, and that's not a great ERA. And you know, I know that, but you know, you look a little deeper into the numbers, and you know, he's given you about nine strikeouts per nine. Uh, which, which is a number that, that you like to have. And you know three walks per nine isn't great. He had some spurts where he was really good. There were spurts down the stretch in 2016 uh, where he was really good in 2017. I know 2018 was hard to watch, but he came back with some spurts in 2019 as well. And you know, there's a lot of people who maybe wouldn't even want Bundy in the rotation with what he did, but with what he could do at his best and his stuff, And you got to remember on my team, he's the number five starter. So, you know, you're not expecting him to be an ace.
1: Yeah, solid pick with Dylan Bundy. I think when you're drafting him, you are drafting those few games where Dylan Bundy looks like the ace potential that Orioles fans were hoping he would have. And as the number five starter, you'll take every once in a while a great start out of Dylan Bundy and the rocky road that comes with the others.
0: Yeah. All right, Brendan, you're back on the clock here.
1: So I think in the original draft, I went a little too heavy on the longevity. I tended to take guys who were a little bit worse for a longer period of time rather than guys who were better for a shorter period of time. Uh, Paul reached on this guy the first time, I will say flat out. Uh, So I'm going to take him now in a place where I feel much more comfortable taking him. And that's Jimmy Key. Pitched just two seasons with the O's in 1997 and 1998. Made one all-star game. Uh, like I said, only started 45 games. But I think of the guys left, he just had far and away the best numbers. An ERA of 3.64 uh, is the best remaining out of the guys left. So Jimmy Key becomes my number four starter. Uh, wanted to solidify that a little bit.
0: Known more for his time as a Toronto Blue Jay, but those two seasons with the Orioles were... were- outstanding pitch in the playoffs was a very uh reliable guy for those two years and a lefty in your rotation so let's let's real quick before we move on in this draft let's kind of reset so that everybody kind of knows what our rosters are looking like and as we get into the final few rounds of this draft the holes that we still each need to fill uh brendan give us your roster uh, as you drafted them Yes.
1: Yeah, so as I drafted, no, them, let's go, let's go around the diamond around, around the diamond. There. Yeah. All right. Catching. I've got Chris Hoyles, first base, Chris Davis at second base, Brian Roberts, shortstop, Mike Bordick, third base, Cal Ripken Jr., left field, Jeff Conine, center field, Brady Anderson, right field, BJ Surhoff. and then D.H. DHJ Gibbons, who is my keeper, who I will be selecting in two rounds. Uh, starting pitchers, I have Jeremy Guthrie, Scott Erickson, Miguel Gonzalez, and Jimmy Key. And then relievers, I have two out of my three in
0: Jim Johnson and Michael Givens. So you are, the only thing that you're looking for is one starting pitcher, a manager, and one reliever, correct? That's correct. All right. Uh, Connor, what is your roster looking like at this point?
2: Yeah, so going around the diamond, you're going to notice that it's fairly recent with my players, but I've got Matt Weeters behind the dish, Rafael Palmero at first, Jonathan Scope at second. J.J. Hardy at short, Manny Machado is at third. Left field is currently open, uh, but I've got Adam Jones in center, Trey Mancini in right, and Nelson Cruz as my DH. Uh, my starting rotation is full uh, from one through five. Eric Bedard, Kevin Gosman, Ben McDonald, Rodrigo Lopez, and Dylan Bundy. And I only have one reliever at this point, and that is Darren O'Day.
0: So you need a left fielder, a manager, and two relievers. Correct. All right. So I am back on the clock. Right now, correct, with back-to-back picks at this point. Uh, I My roster, if I'll go around the diamond real quickly, my manager is Buck Showalter. Uh, first base, Steve Pierce. Second base, Roberto Alomar. Shortstop, Miguel Tejada. Third base is Melvin Mora. Left field is Luke Scott. Right field is Nick Marcakis. My DH is Harold Baines. Starting pitchers, I got Mike Messina, Chris Tillman, Wei-Yin Chen, and my relievers, I have Zach Britton, and Greg Olson. So I am in need of a little bit here. Uh, I need a catcher, I need a center fielder, I need two starters, and I need one more reliever. Brendan is maxed out in, ter- in terms of his lineup. Connor only needs one left fielder. So when I look at the guys available at this point, I think that I can wait. I mean, Connor could move some guys around technically. Is there anybody you could really put in left field with your team right now, Connor? I guess you could put uh, Mancini in left. I
2: could put... I could put Nelson Cruz in left maybe and get a DH. Uh, I could potentially put Mancini in left and, and maybe get a right fielder. Um, but I'm looking at an outfielder. That's the last hitter I need. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Well, that helps. That helps as well. Uh, with this f- with this first pick of these back-to-back picks, I'm going to go with another reliever, a guy I took in the original. I'm going to go with Brad Brock right here. Five seasons with the Orioles, a sub three ERA, a 299 ERA, 9.4 strikeouts per nine a uh, 2016 all-star was obviously not a closer never really um, was called upon in those roles because he already had Zach Britton in a lot of the bullpens that he was in um, ended up turning into a trade piece they all they got back was because you know another reliever like we talked about with Givens that kind of tailed off near the end of his Orioles career Um, so all they got back was like international signing bonus money from the Atlanta Braves when they made that move uh, but that doesn't discount the great pitcher that he was and the great reliever that he was uh, on those winning teams. So Brad Brock, I'm going to finish out my bullpen with Zach Britton, Brad Brock, and Greg Olson. Yeah, and a sub three ERA doesn't hurt no. in, in
1: nearly 300 games. So I like the pick here with Brad Brock. All right. he was
2: also oh go yeah. He was also one of the best moves uh, that the Orioles made. Uh, it was a November 2013 deal. They sent a pitcher who was in single A who didn't play in the minors past that next year and ended up getting five years of a a dominant reliever who made an all-star team as a setup man, which you do not see very often.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I I still need a catcher at this point, but I can still wait on that, I think, because I don't think Brendan can fit anybody else in his lineup, and I don't think Connor can really fit anybody there. So I'm going to go ahead and give away my strategy of waiting on a catcher at this point, because we've already seen weeders and Hoyles go off the board. Look at you thinking ahead. I'm thinking ahead. So
1: proud of you. This is character development for (laughs) Paul Mancano. (laughs) Thinking ahead in this draft. Be more
0: condescending, Brendan. All right. Who do we have left on our board? I don't need a manager. I need uh, some starting pitchers. Jimmy Key's already off the board. Mm. All right. I may go with a guy here. I'm going to go with another... L- no, who else do I need in my rotation? No, you that know seems what? like a question this for is, you. This is uh, now I'm going to go back. I'm going to look at my team. I'm going to look at where the positions I need. I do need a catcher. I need a center fielder. Hmm. Okay. Um, I am going to go with an outfielder at this pick because I know Connor needs a an outfielder. the The biggest problem I have when I'm staring at this board right now is that I don't have a clear. Uh, center fielder on my team. There's nobody I can even slot into center field. And that was the benefit of you guys taking Adam Jones and uh, Brady Anderson in the first and second rounds because those guys can play center. They can play right field if needed. But beyond that, there's not really a clear center fielder left on the board here. So I'm going to look around and I'm I'm down between two guys here. And I'm going to stick with the body of work and I'm going to go ahead and take a guy that I took in the first part or in the, in, the, in the original of this part two draft. I'm going to take Mike Devereaux with this pick. I know that Mike Devereaux is, uh, Connor shaking his head. He really disagrees with this pick. I am not getting the best, uh, you know, the entirety of Mike Devereaux's time uh, with the Orioles, but in four seasons, Mike Devereaux, 248, 51 homers, 4.8 baseball reference war, and is a true center fielder. And I feel like I can slot him right in. A fan favorite, Devo. I feel good about uh, putting Mike Devereaux in, into center. And I feel like he brings more name recognition than the other guy I had um, as a potential center fielder. So Mike Devereaux, welcome back. Yeah, wasn't
1: incredibly high on my big board, but you need a center fielder and there really weren't too many options as a, as a true center fielder left. So Devereaux is probably the logical way to go because you need a center fielder, was I would he, say.
0: Was he the number one center or number three center fielder on your board, Brendan?
1: Uh, no, he was not, <laughs> purely because I had some other guys at secondary positions okay. that I listed under center field, but maybe pure center fielder,
0: I guess. Connor?
1: Yeah, just... I don't know. It's happening
2: again, and and not that I'm definitely going to take him, but I feel like Corey Patterson is being slept on. And I know he only had three seasons with the Orioles, um, but the defense he brought for the O's jumped that WAR up uh, a pretty good amount. And uh, you know he was a pretty good player, obviously on some bad Oriole teams. And then you know you could finagle Jerry Harrison into center field as well. Um, and and so you know Devereaux, good player, some clutch hits, but uh, there were other guys there too.
0: To me, uh, Jerry Harrison, I mean played seven years with the Orioles was never an above average player. And I think that tenure certainly matters. But in this case, I think um, even though I'm not getting the first few years of, of, Devo's time with the Orioles, I just feel like his four years cumulatively were better or just as good. Pretty much we're, we're right there with um, in terms of uh, Jerry Harrison's production. Yeah, Jerry
1: Harrison, I did have ranked higher than Mike (laughs) Deborah, which I can say openly because I cannot draft another position player. So Harrison was one of the guys that I had ranked above him in center field. Okay. I also had Melvin Mora in center because he did play a little bit, so
0: I just kind of threw him in there in case I definitely needed a center field. Yeah. You don't
1: want to play Melvin Mora in center field. I
0: didn't want to stick him in center field. I didn't want to move him off of third base where I have him now. All right. Right. So do I have another pick or am I done? I think you're done, right? Yeah, we're going
1: over to Brendan.
0: (laughs) I think this is my pick. All right, go ahead, Brendan. Okay. So
1: this is a bit of a weird position for me because we're in the 15th round, and I won't have a pick uh, until the 17th again because I'm locked in in round 16 with Jay Gibbons. So I know that Connor wouldn't take a starting pitcher, but I also have to take into account that by the time...
0: I am next up uh, with a true pick in round 17. This is where it really gets interesting. You
1: could take the starting pitcher that I want.
0: Probably not to the listeners, but to us at least.
1: Right. And I have two starting pitchers left. You need two starting pitchers. So I'm going to take one of them and make sure you don't get both of the guys that I want. Okay. Uh, So I'm going to take Jamie Moyer. Uh, I believe he pitched until he was 75. Jamie Moyer Uh, didn't have any elite seasons with the O's, uh, but... As my number five starter, I'll take a 4-4-1 ERA. He was just pretty consistently okay. Yeah. And as my number five starter, I'll take that. Started 66 games for the Orioles, uh, went 25-22, and 22, like I said, a 4-4-1 ERA, and he becomes my number five pitcher.
0: All-time leader in walks, Jamie Moyer. He pitched... Like well of said, course he should be the all-time leader in every, every county to that <laughs> yeah. because he pitched until he was 112. On what like 10 different teams. I believe he pitched for 37 different teams. Yeah, world champion with the 2008 Phillies. Got a, a whole lot of accomplishments. He could the fun thing is he could probably, you know, get a uh, a free drink in most cities across he America. He literally pitched until he was 49. That's crazy. How uh, old is he now? Because he 49 only... 49 years old in 2012 he's, he's... with the Colorado Rockies. Okay, so that was eight years ago or nine years ago at this point. Wow. So he is he is up there. He is now 58. That is crazy. God bless him. Crafty lefty. Crafty lefty That's going to be Moore. Tommy Malone at some point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, wow. what a, uh, I, I, I love this pick personally. Jamie Moyer also uh, very well liked. Uh, I know my former... Our, our current boss, Spiro Alafaso's former... PR uh, head with the Baltimore Orioles said that, uh, you know, great to be around. Very nice. Good guy. Good clubhouse guy. When, when you're in these later round picks, I think you're looking also for what he brings in the clubhouse. I like that pick, Brendan. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Connor, you're back on the clock.
2: Yeah, I got to say, Jamie Moyer, you know, maybe the Cy Young of our era just <laughs> holds all the category leads yeah. because he pitched for so long. And if they ever feel like changing the name of the award, just the does Jamie it become Moyer. the Jamie Moyer Award? Why not? Uh, or do we make a new award? The Jamie Moyer Award is just the oldest guy in baseball every year.
0: <laughs> just the and longevity. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, no suspense that in that award. That or the so. Bartolo. You know? There's
1: there's just no suspense in that award. That's my only problem.
2: Well, for 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 the oldest pitcher, you give it the Jamie Moyer Award, and then the Julio Franco Award is for the uh, oldest hitter. Yeah, that's um, right. But... You know, I have two open spots in my bullpen, so I have to go reliever with at least one of these picks. Uh, And I was down to two guys, and it's basically longevity of being good or the dominance of two seasons. Um, And I'm going to take dominance in two seasons, in two important seasons uh, with my pick, and I'm going to take Randy Myers. Uh, And I know he was only an Oriole for two years, but it was two pretty important years. He was the Oriole closer in 1996 and 1997. Of course, two years that the Orioles went, to the American League Championship Series. Uh, and Myers, you know, he was a solid closer in 96. He had 31 saves. He had a 3.53 ERA. But in 97, he might have been the best reliever in baseball that year. He led the league in saves with 45. He made his fourth career All Star team and the only All Star team he made with the Orioles. You no, know, a 34 year old closer making the All Star team is pretty good. In 61 appearances, he threw 59 and two thirds innings, had a 1.51 ERA that year, helping the Orioles uh, to the postseason. And in that season, uh, you know he had you know only about eight strikeouts per nine, but he was a closer who finished not only fourth in Cy Young voting, but fourth in MVP voting that year. I mean, you're not going to see a closer get much higher than that. That's how good he was even in those 2 years and you know I'll bolster my bullpen uh, with him as my closer.
1: Yeah, Connor's team is firmly in win now mode, especially with the Nelson Cruz pick and I think Randy Myers just enforces that. If you like I said about Nelson Cruz, if you are looking for just the best season out of an Orioles reliever, you're probably going Randy Myers. Yeah. All right, Connor, another pick.
2: Now, I think I'm going to make Paul very mad with this pick because I said that I could only take an outfielder, but then I did some research, and I realized that there's a player here who actually DH'd a lot. Some of it was because of how the rosters looked, and others was because of some injury issues in his time
0: as an Oriole. Connor, I am walking off this podcast if you take who I think you're going to take here.
2: Oh, my goodness. He did a whole lot of designated hitting. Now, here's the proof. This guy was an Oriole from 2004 until 2006. And here's the proof. 2004, 21 starts at DH. 2005, 27 starts at DH. Count it. 2006, 53 starts at DH. Woo! That is a almost full-time DH. That's a DH 53 if i one. When he only caught 34 games that year, that's a DH. And so I'm taking Javi
0: Lopez as my Connor, DH right here. Just so you know, consider... the best catcher off the board. You know, we are... what uh, Our... We are just professional relationship at this point. Our relationship is, is no longer friends. Uh, we are no longer, uh, even acquaintances. We are just professional workers in the media business. And that's it. Because you have taken Fantastic. the third best catcher on the board yes. when you didn't even need a catcher. Oh, but and frankly, you, you already had uh, Matt Wieters. Age. And I... This was by far the third best catcher on the board. Not even so close. So you know what, Connor? Not even close. Just professional. We are no, we no longer have a friendship, any kind of personal relationship. Well, look, this is... Now look,
1: look. Without a doubt, the best pick in the draft. Connor, you have the to, floor. To I applaud you, sir. To be
2: fair, the season when he was basically a DH all year was 2006, uh, and that's when he was traded uh, to or sent to Boston eventually. And he had some injury issues, but, you know, he only played 94 games. His offensive stats weren't great. But if you go back to his first year with the Orioles, 2004, I am perfectly fine just slotting this guy in as only a DH every day. 316 average, 370 on base, 872 OPS. So where's Nelson Cruz going to play? 33 left field. Nelson Cruz is going to left field. And you know what? I'm going to hit enough homers and score enough runs that it's going to be okay that he's in left.
1: This is... I mean, the pick of the draft. If there was any way to get back at Paul for deleting the original file of our first fantasy draft, this was it. I mean, Paul said flat out, neither of you guys are going to take the catcher that I want, so I'm going to wait until the last round. Paul said it out loud that this would be his strategy, and yet, Javi Lopez... The best
0: DH remaining. Connor needs a DH. And Paul is. Just to twist the knife. Just to twist the knife. Connor did what you guys ripped me for the first time, which was putting Nelson Cruz in left field. See, Paul, but the thing you're I missing... I was sitting here and I was thinking, there's just no way Connor is that much of a jerk that he could t- he just stab me right in the back by taking Javi Lopez. Paul, 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 I'm gonna Paul, be, Paul. I'm going to be forthcoming. I'm going to be open with my draft strategy. And here he goes and takes the bit of information and just sticks the knife right in the back.
1: But the thing you're missing about the difference between Connor putting Nelson Cruz in left field and you putting Nelson Cruz in left field is that this way is much funnier.
0: Well, here's the thing. There is one pretty good catcher still on the board. There is. The world is not collapsing in on. I am just, I am more, I'm not too upset with my team. I feel like I still have a great team. I feel like I still have some options there. My, my issue is the death of a friendship today. And that is the death of a friendship between myself and Connor hilarious
1: and now we go to brendan for his next pick uh this pick was already locked in for me in the 16th round and that's jay gibbons i originally thought he was going to be my dh and looking over it a little bit more uh jeff conine is probably or wait did i switch this i'm thinking one of them had a worse defensive war
0: and i'm trying to figure out which one it is I mean, you didn't have any time to look it up during that entire two minutes. I was was too
1: busy really laughing uh, because that was fantastic. Uh, Yeah, Jay Gibbons is going to play uh, in one of the corner outfields for me rather than DH, and then uh, Jeff Conine is going to be my DH because Jeff Conine has a worse defensive war. So I'm putting Jeff Conine at DH. I'm putting Jay Gibbons in left field and then moving BJ Surhoff to right. So my lineup is solidified at this point. I already knew that I was getting Jay Gibbons. I thought he was going to be my DH, putting him in left field. Uh, The left fielders are just not great defensively. But, Jay Gibbons. I like the value there in the 16th round.
0: You know, I thought this redraft uh, was lacking some juice. He's still angry. As we were going, I thought it was a little bit confusing to our listeners. It stays confusing, but it... Boy, does it have some juice now because I just, I don't even know. I'm, 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 flabbergasted as yeah, to where I might go. We have
1: knocked Paul firmly off his yep. game.
0: Nope. Uh, all right. What, a, what, what, positions do I need? Does it even matter? I mean, uh, Paul, you still a catcher need available. two starting there pitchers is a catcher and a catcher. Are you guys both done with your lineups? Uh, yes, yeah. but do okay. I draft a so catcher to, to be for my manager? I'm <laughs> It's catchers, a possibility. Catchers do great, make great managers. And I think, uh, yeah. Yes, Paul, just Connor? to let you know, uh, Brendan
2: does have Chris Davis and he could put him in the bullpen if he wanted to. And, That's and absolutely had correct. Hit, so.
1: <laughs> that is absolutely correct. This is, this is true. Something you have to worry about.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, can't, I can't, you know, not consider that. All right. What positions do I need? I need some uh, starting pitchers. You do need two starting pitchers. Just two starting pitchers who's left on. And I don't know if you know this, but you also need a catcher i uh I think I know this okay i just, right. I just wanted you to be sure i'm gonna I need a more name recognition on my team I need a more recent Orioles player guy with not a whole lot of experience with the Baltimore Orioles, but the production is great nonetheless i'm gonna add another lefty to my starting rotation go with john means uh means of course has only played in forty two games with the Orioles he would have played in more if twenty twenty were a regular season um so i'm I'm banking on the good John Means that we saw uh, in the 2019 season that made him an all-star and in the end of the 2020 season. He has gone through some ups and downs, but look, this guy was one of the better stories of the 2019 Orioles, is still one of the better stories on the Orioles roster as a guy who spent years toiling in the minor leagues and at AA at Bowie, turned into an all-star, and I think has a bright future in front of him, but I am still you know comfortable with the production that I'm getting from him a 397 era in essentially you know two seasons we'll call it yeah even though he appeared in three uh, 7.4 k's per 9 looks like he his arsenal keeps getting deeper uh, i'm slotting john means in as my number 4 starter yeah i like this pick for the same reason that i took jimmy key
1: at this point you are looking at guys who had two good seasons versus those who were mediocre for a bunch and i think at this point especially with, what, your number four starter with John Means. It makes more sense to be a little bit more win now, take a guy who is better for a shorter period of time rather than someone who is worse for longer.
0: Absolutely. So with my next pick, um, at this point, I'm thinking about going with the same guy. And I, just for the joke of it, I think I am, uh, yeah. For the joke of it, I'm going to go with another and broadcaster who's not actually a and broadcaster, Kevin Brown. The, the other Kevin Brown, one season with the Baltimore Orioles, it was a pretty solid season. There just are not a whole lot of starting pitchers left at this point, so I had to go with somebody. But Kevin Brown in that one season, 26 appearances, so we pitched a full year, 172 innings pitch, a 3-6 ERA. Uh, it was his age 30 season in 1995. Of course, you know Kevin Brown, the broadcaster. Anytime you hear those sweet, sweet tones of Kevin Brown on the radio or television, just know that's not the former Oriole. But I am going with the former Oriole. Kevin Brown to finish out my rotation. I can't say that I had Kevin Brown on
1: my big board. I mainly did it for the laughs. Look, you only get one season out of him. I know. And I suppose as your number five starter, it doesn't make too much of a difference that he only plays one season, but it really does, considering Kevin Brown only pitched one year in Baltimore. Connor, what do you think? Did you have Kevin Brown anywhere remotely close to being an option i'm gonna defend paul for- thank Ooh. you connor
0: thank you there are it just this doesn't make up for anything just so you know this doesn't repair in- our friendship
2: in terms of you know war and accumulated stats there are probably three starting pitchers ahead of kevin brown that are currently available one of them is sydney Ponson, not being drafted uh for reasons one of them is daniel cabrera um who had some really bad uh years in an oreo uniform and one or two years that were good enough to get him on this board. And then you basically are down to after those two guys who uh, won't get you a lot of love from Orioles fans if you pick either of them. Uh, You're basically down to guys like Kevin Brown, Pat Henkin, and Jason Johnson. Um, And frankly, Kevin Brown only in one season. That one season was better than any other season the rest of those guys put together. And, you know, it's not an awful pick.
0: Thank you. I mean, I would rather have the guy who's... Um, going to be good. You know, I, three years of mediocre play is going to get you three years of mediocre play. That doesn't like put you over the top. If I want to win now, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm adding uh, Kevin Brown to my team for the one year and uh, I feel pretty good about it. So that, that closes out my rotation and still I think that I have uh, the best rotation. It would be hard not to have the best rotation considering I have Mike Messina, um, but who else is, is in my rotation? I have Wei-In Chen, I have Chris Tillman, I have Kevin Brown, and who's my last guy? John Means. Dan John Means, of course.
1: So, I feel good about that one through five. Well, your last two starters have a combined three seasons with the Orioles.
0: Yeah, but Mike Messina had nine. <laughs> this is true. So, you're, I think each of you, I mean, you're probably, your your ace had what, five, six seasons? Yeah. My, and, and Chris, my number
1: one was Jeremy Guthrie. Connor's number one,
0: yeah. Eric Bedard, I believe. I believe. Is that the ace of your staff, Connor? Yes. Yes. And, and I'm also having Chris Tillman, who... Was there for a long time. Seven seasons, I believe, for Chris Tillman. Um, so I feel that the years of experience goes down when you go down my rotation, but I have two top of the guy, rotation guys that are going to be there for a long time. And if you didn't have the best rotation with Mike Messina, I would have been worried. That'd be a crime. Yes. All right.
1: Brendan? Well, Paul, last time that we did this draft, I made a goof. I made a big old goof in these last two rounds. Uh, I took a reliever... At this spot, not that the reliever was a bad choice, but Connor did not need a reliever at that point, and uh, he wouldn't have been able to draft one, so I went reliever anyway, even though Connor didn't need one. This scenario is a little bit different. Connor still needs a reliever. However, there are two guys still available uh, that I would feel pretty comfortable drafting at my last reliever spot. So I'm going to go manager here, and I'm going to go Davey Johnson. I know he did not have a good end with the Orioles, but his two seasons were two of the best seasons uh, that the Orioles had. Makes an ALCS in two straight years. Uh, has a winning percentage of nearly 58%, 186 and 138. Uh, it's some of, it, he wins a manager of the year. I mean, it is peak Orioles baseball for the two years that Davey Johnson is there. You're only getting him for those two short seasons, but after Buck Showalter... There are not a lot of managers who had a solid long-term tenure. So Davey Johnson with the best two seasons of a manager remaining. Davey Johnson is my pick as my manager.
0: Yeah, I think he's number two uh, on probably on my board and probably Connors as well, just because those two seasons uh, were great. And a lot of Orioles fans, of course, wondered what would have happened if he had been with the team for longer. Um, but just, you know, It just did not work out for him in Baltimore long-term and went on to manage a team um, that's, you know, 90 minutes, not 90 minutes, 60 minutes uh, at most with traffic south uh, on I-95 with the Washington Nationals. But uh, those two seasons with the Baltimore Orioles, he was the best manager between Davey Johnson and Buck Showalter. There were a lot of years of a lot of names of managers that Orioles fans would probably like to forget And now that kind of makes it a little bit more difficult on Connor to choose the third and final manager.
2: Yeah, it was a good pick because, you know, there's really two managers and then there's definitely a a drop off. Um, But I obviously need reliever and manager. Um, So I'm gonna go reliever first. Uh, I have three names that I was kind of looking at um, for this final reliever spot. And, you know, they had three very much varying uh, tenures with the Orioles. Um, you've basically got BJ Ryan, who accumulated a lot of years. You've got Jesse Orozco, who you know it was four or five years as a middle reliever, and then you've got you know do you take the season and a half where Koji Uehara was basically untouchable um, in the Oriole bullpen. And I'm going to go with longevity. Um, I'm going to take BJ Ryan to finish out my bullpen. Now I know the early years of BJ Ryan were not great. Uh, he came to the Orioles in 1999 um, in the middle of the season. He finished out the year good. But 2000 was not good. 2001 was not good. Frankly, 2002 wasn't great either. But his last three seasons as an Oriole, 03, 04, and 05, were fantastic. 03, he had a 3-4-0 ERA. 2004, as the Orioles' setup man, 76 games and a 2-2-8 ERA in 87 innings. And then in 2005, his final year with the Orioles, he makes the all-star team. He was the only one of these three guys who made an all-star team Uh, He was the Oriole closer in 2005, uh, a season where the Orioles were in the race uh, through July, and he was a big reason why. 36 saves, 69 games, 70 innings, a 2.43 ERA uh, for B.J. Ryan that year. And the stuff at the end of his time, he kind of switched up his uh, mechanics, his stuff, his delivery. And in his last three seasons with the Orioles, his strikeouts per nine went from right around eight to 11.3, 12.6, and 12.8. And if I'm those seasons, I feel pretty good about him being my last uh, player pick in this draft.
1: Yeah, the, BJ Ryan and Jesse Orozco were the two the guys that I had in mind. Connor takes one of them for his rest, last reliever.
0: I think you're missing something with Jim Poole here, but um, it's, a, it's an okay pick there, Connor. Oh, man. And then, <sighs> you know, obviously I, I got to go manager.
2: And... You know, If you're looking at guys with winning records, uh, you have Johnny Oates sitting there. He was the only other guy with a winning record uh, at a 544 win percentage. Uh, he took over in 91 after Frank Robinson was fired early in the 91 season. And, you know, he turned things around a little bit and had a couple of good seasons, never made the postseason. Um, but I'm not going to take Johnny Oates. Uh, and that's because the fact that the Baltimore Orioles won 25 games with the roster that they had in 2020, And we're picking a little bit for, you know, we're not picking for the future, but I gave that argument a little bit for keeping Trey Mancini. And I'm going to take Brandon Hyde because of how impressed I was. Whoa! That he led this team to 25 wins. With the roster he was given in 2020, the amount of games they won, the teams they beat – And the way he was able to get the most out of a lot of those players this year and last year too, what he got out of guys like Renato Nunez and Hanser Alberto, you know, even guys who aren't with the team anymore, um, what he's been able to do with some of these guys. He's bought into what the Orioles are trying to do. And, you know, he's shown that he can manage a team without a lot of talent. We haven't seen what he does with a team with a lot of talent yet. If I compare him with a team that already has this much talent in my roster – Maybe he takes him to the next level. So uh, I'm going to go a little off the board with my last pick, but I'm going to take the current skipper, Brandon Hyde.
0: For a team that is in win-now mode like Connors is, a curious pick to take Brandon Hyde, who is at this point just a rebuilding manager. However, this podcast has always been very, um, you know, praising of Brandon Hyde because we love the job that he's done uh, with the Orioles so far. Uh, We just hope that, he is with this team for long enough so that that win loss record can eventually turn around. Probably helped that 2020 was a shortened season uh, in that term because he he the you know needs only fewer seasons to get that win loss record back on the right side. We hope he sees this rebuild through because uh, I agree with what Connor has said. He has been outstanding um, at, at the helm, and it's just very difficult to tell how he is going to be long term. But we, with the results that we have so far, we know that he is great at developing young players. We know that he has already worked out great relationships with the players he has on the team, and he is well-liked by those guys. And he's he's he seems like a very good guy and seems like, so far, to know how to manage a team. A fun pick with Brandon Hyde. He has clearly done a lot with a little, and I think if you're
1: drafting him in this fantasy draft, you're hoping that he does a lot with a lot. Yeah. Which and is it,
0: entirely a possibility, and hopefully... We'll get to see over the next few years. It's just the win-loss record, the only thing that you can't excuse at this point. But, uh, you know, I, I still like the pick. It's it's a bold pick, and I think, um, you know, I, I like the direction it's going with. So that closes out Connor's team, yeah. now that he is a manager. Your final pick, Brendan.
1: Yeah, not not much of a surprise here. I said I was fine with two relievers. Those two relievers were B.J. Ryan and Jesse Orozco. So I'm going with Jesse Orozco. Uh, his last season with the O's was not... Fantastic and makes his stats look a little bit worse. But from 1995 to 1998, he had an ERA just over three. He had a whip of just over 1.2 in those 271 games. He appeared in at least 65 games in every season that he was in Baltimore. So Jesse Orozco is my pick here. I'm going with the longevity rather than uh, the one dominant season. Uh, from Koji O'Hara, So Jesse Orozco, my pick here.
0: And with my final pick, I'm taking Adley Rutschman. Thank you. Good night. Uh, can't do that, unfortunately. Wish I could. If we did this in 20, in, after the 2021 season, I might be able to take Adley Rutschman if he's going to make his debut. However, I'm stuck with the, the Mr. Irrelevant, and I have to take a catcher at this point. And as much as I freaked out about the... Tr- the uh, Uh, Javi Lopez pick. There is still another catcher on the board, and that is, of course, Pedro Severino. Kidding. Again, finally, going to actually make my pick now. Charles Johnson is my pick at catcher. Uh, Two seasons with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, You guys both appear very confused. I am very confused. Who did you think I was going to take?
1: Ramon Hernandez. Oh. Because I, I had four catchers on my board, and Ramon Hernandez was the fourth catcher on my board. Connor, thoughts? Oh, we get a chance to roast Paul again! Oh, right? come this on. Is Fantastic! Yes, it happened
2: when I said. Now, now listen. Charles Johnson had a great major league career. Obviously, a little more known for his time with the Florida Marlins uh, and his two stints there. Uh, of course, made his both of his All Star teams there. Uh, he came to Baltimore in '99 and 2000, and you know he had a couple of good seasons. Uh, but frankly, you know, wasn't a lot of time. It was basically a year and a half. In an Oriole uniform, uh, you look at Ramon Hernandez. Can
0: I change my pick? Nope. <laughs> oh come It's on.
2: locked in. Uh,
1: it is locked. Ramon Hernandez, oh six to oh eight. You Who know, typed in Ramon Hernandez in Paul's roster. Not me. We're uh, that's because I, we were I literally. Wow. No,
2: I literally typed him into the roster as we're keeping our spreadsheet here, because I just assumed when totally. I said, don't worry, Paul, there's another good catcher. You compare Javi Lopez's three seasons to Ramon Hernandez's three seasons. Lopez better offensively, obviously, but with what Hernandez gave to the Orioles defensively, as well as a pretty good bat, Hernandez's war I, is actually higher than I Javi had Lopez. To, you know, I'm, a quick I'm glad
0: you guys both fell for uh, my joke earlier. But I'm going to go with Ramon Hernandez. No, it's with locked this pick. in. No. It's been oh, come on. Oh, come on.
1: Firmly locked in. It's already written down in the redraft. There are no takesies, backsies. This is no slight to Charles Johnson. I love Charles Johnson. I like him more
2: when he wasn't in an Oreo uniform because some of his much better years came, you know, with, with, that, uh, with the Marlins and uh, that half season with the White Sox when he was really good. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it,
1: good pick. Good pick, he says. Uh, Paul, that's just, it's a tough way to end it. I had Ramon Hernandez and Javi Lopez pretty close. I think Javi Lopez was a better pick for the DH because like Connor said, uh, better offensively, uh, had a much better offensive war than Ramon Hernandez. But defensively, I mean, you could make a case or Ramon
0: Hernandez even over Javi Lopez. I think I'm going to catch her. I think I'm going to, you know, because retroactively. defensively, nope, there I think, are
1: simply no takes. You know, taxis. I think
0: I think what you guys both forget is that while the video is going out live, the audio of this podcast um, is, is, you know, entirely subject to editing. Um, right. But by, we know. By me. The people know. So, I think, uh, you know, if I need to go back and change this, I think I... Uh, I think it I will not I be allowed. Look. Charles Johnson, two seasons, 268, 37 homers, 826 OPS. Offensively, I needed a little bit more power in my lineup. He had a 6.2 war in just two seasons. I mean, it's not a terrible pick. We're no, not. It's, it's, an, it's, it's
1: not awful. It is not. This is no Jim, Jim Poole. Poole.
2: Yeah, this is nowhere near Jim Poole. I just figured that, you know, you would take a little bit more longevity and take the defense behind the dish. But again, as I said, Charles Johnson was a great player. Wow. Uh, it's, it, look, just, it's
1: no Jim Pool. It is nonetheless hilarious. <sighs> well, I you wanted the redraft, Paul. I did it again. <laughs> he did it again, folks. This is the All magic right, of live let's, television. Uh,
0: let's go through our rosters one more time. Let's do it. I'm going to start with mine. Yeah, you do uh, that. Just so I can take off... Uh, my headset, and just uh, walk off this set. All right, let me go through my entire team. Why not? Uh, my first overall pick was Mike Messina. My, the rest of my starting rotation, because I believe that is the strength of this team, is where I'm going to go next. Uh, I had Chris Tillman, wei In Chen, John Means, and Kevin Brown to round out my rotation. My relief pitchers, I believe I have the best bullpen. Uh, Zach Britton, Greg Olson, Brad Brock. My manager is Buck Showalter, and then my lineup uh, is Charles Johnson behind the dish, Steve Pierce at first, second base Roberto Alomar, shortstop Miguel Tejada, third base Melvin Mora, left field Luke Scott, center field Mike Devereaux, right field Nick Marcakis, my DH is Harold Baines. Brendan?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know if my team has the best at anything, but I would argue that I have the best all-around team. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I have the best rotation or best bullpen or best lineup, but I think collectively, uh, I would argue that my team is right up there. Managing, Davy Johnson. Uh, catching, Chris Hoyles. At first base, Chris Davis. Second base, Brian Roberts. At shortstop, Mike Bordick. Third base, Kyle Ripken, Jr. Left field, Jay Gibbons. Center field, Brady Anderson. Right field, B.J. Surhoff, D.H., Jeff Conine. My starting rotation, Jeremy Guthrie, Scott Erickson, Mikhail Gonzalez, Jimmy Key, and Jamie Moyer. And in my bullpen, I've got Jim Johnson, Michael Givens, and Jesse Orozco.
0: All right, Connor, what's your roster?
2: Uh, so I've got, uh, starting with my catcher, Matt Weeders, Rafael Palmero is at first base, Jonathan Scope at second, J.J. Hardy at short, Manny Machado at third, Nelson Cruz in left, Adam Jones in center, Trey Mancini in right, Javi Lopez is my DH, haha Paul. Uh, my starting pitchers, uh, the Aces, Eric Bedard, then it goes Kevin Gosman, Ben McDonald, Rodrigo Lopez, and Dylan Bundy. And in my bullpen, I probably have Randy Myers closing out games uh, with Darren O'Day and B.J. Ryan to add to them. And it is all led by the current skipper, Brandon Hyde.
0: And I know we're well over an hour in at this point, but real quickly, just before, because this is going to be our final comments before people do vote. And again, you do choose who the winner is of this draft by a vote that we are going to conduct on social media. I believe it's going to be an at mass and Orioles, Twitter poll. So be sure to vote in that. We'll keep the window as wide open as we possibly can so that everybody can get their votes in. But real quickly, um, Inter, let's go through maybe one regret and then make the case for the team. I've made my regrets very clear on this podcast. I'm not going to go back through that. The case for my team is definitely in the arms. I believe between the starting pitching with Mike Mussina, Chris Tillman, Wei-Yin Chen is my one, two, three. And then my bullpen, I believe I do have the best one, two, three punch in the bullpen with Zach Britton, Greg Olson, and Brad Brock. And I feel like, you know, best manager, The it, the, the lineup I don't think is quite as strong as Connor or Brendan's, but I think that's just the nature of the number one pick. I had to, unfortunately, miss out on some great players in terms of Manny Machado and Cal Ripken Jr. and Adam Jones. However, I do feel like I built a fairly strong lineup with Palomar, Tejada, Mora right in the middle, um, and Nick Marcakis and Harold Baines in there as well. So I feel like I have uh, the best arms, and I have a lineup to complement it. Brendan? Yeah,
1: probably my biggest regret of the draft. I think I reached on a few guys... However, uh, I think the biggest strength of my team and the case for my team is that I don't see a position where I have the worst guy there, and I think that is probably the biggest case for my team is that I might not have the best player uh, in in best position group, but I I don't think I have the worst player at any position.
0: And I think that's the benefit of having that number two Absolutely. Because... Anytime the best guy went off the board at a position, you could take the second best guy in that category. All right, Connor, any regrets? And then what's the case for your team?
2: A small regret was maybe taking Jonathan Scope over Roberto Alomar. Obviously, Scope has a little more tenure, um, but Alomar's peak uh, was probably higher than Scope's. Uh, But other than that, to make the case for the team, um, seven of my nine players in my lineup Uh, played for the Orioles from 2012 to 2016. Uh, Of course, in that time, the Orioles had the most amount of wins in the American League. They went to the playoffs three times. So you've got most of that lineup, plus Rafael Palmeiro sitting right in the middle um, isn't even one of those guys who were on those teams. So I think my lineup is going to hit just like those Oriole teams did. They were not led by their starting pitching. Uh, They were led by their offense, and I have most of that offense. My starting pitchers aren't great, but I think you know, even though I don't have an ace, um, I have good depth one through five you know i i don't feel like i have any really number four or five or even number three starters i feel like i got a bunch of twos in there um and my bullpen all three guys oday myers and ryan all made an all-star team at least once so there's a lot of guys on my team banking on that one peak season if they all put it together uh this team's unstoppable.
0: all right be sure to vote for who you think has the best team of the three of us um it'll be interesting to see and then on our next podcast probably going to be next tuesday we will reveal the results of that uh and uh please let us know what you think of our our teams i can't wait to get uh, roasted once again it's just gonna be fun we're
1: looking forward to it
0: can't wait for that uh thanks so much honestly to connor uh for sticking with us connor what can you tell us about how we can find the locked on orioles podcast
2: yeah, so right now, the Locked on Orioles podcast is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You can get it uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, we're in the off season, so we're three days a week right now. But uh, once the season starts to get closer in February, we go back to five days a week. Uh, really, only your, your only place for daily uh, Orioles podcast about you know 20 to 30 minutes a day um, to get caught
0: up with the team. Sounds good and uh thanks to you of course everybody listening for sticking with us through what ended up being about two and a half hours worth of this draft and uh we've been thinking about what we could do next as a draft so if you have any ideas maybe uh brendan has a good idea for the uh, earl weaver uh, draft potentially best players under earl weaver we'll come up with something fun for the next time but in the meantime we hope this was as much fun for you as it was for us we had a blast doing this and it's In the middle of January, when not much is happening, we thought we'd fill it with something fun like this. So, Brendan Mortensen, Connor Newcomb, I'm Paul Mancano. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you later.